a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for being with us today on Talent Talk. We have uh, two really uh, fantastic guests lined up, and of course, we are here in the midst as we are talking about this live through the COVID-19 pandemic, and it will certainly bleed into the conversation today and hopefully will be uh, applicable even maybe months or years later as the show is reheard by you, all of you. So, you know, uh, I have the privilege of, of really speaking to some fantastically talented people who also uh, are uniquely talented in their own, in managing and leading their own talent. And we have so many fantastic stories that come out of this, so many uh, lessons that can be learned. I took a lot of those and put them in my first book called The Power of Company Culture. If you'd like to check that out, there are some of our best uh, stories, as well as the story of my company and what we believe are the pillars to having a fantastic or a great company culture. Talent Talk is live here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Most of you uh, come in and, and get us after the fact on the podcast uh, on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher, wherever you find us. But we do thank everyone whether you're tuning in live or you're coming in later on and listening to uh, the broadcast later on. You can also find us on TalentTalkRadio.com. Wherever you want to go, there is a place, there is a way for you to subscribe and to like and to interact with us. But we really love the interaction that we get live during the show um, or even after the fact by going to twitter finding at people g2 follow us there follow the hashtag talent talk all one word my social media maven uh, sarah likes to uh, put out some of the best quotes the best one-liners links to books and and uh, how to find our guests uh, online so it's really a great resource so you can you can kind of go there uh, and interact with us live right now so if you like something that was said, if you want to disagree, if you want to give us your opinion, Twitter is that place that we like to do all of that. So, which is a nice break from anything else you might be doing on Twitter right now, because every time I go to Twitter, I feel like my anxiety levels go up with all the COVID-19 stuff. So uh, this might be something else you could do uh, while you're on Twitter. Um, all right. My guests today include uh, Jamie Broughton, CEO of Avenue and Kimberly Lane, uh, principal of the Kimberly Connection Company professional speaker, connected leadership consultant, uh, and an author. So uh, bring in Jamie, then we're going to bring in Kimberly after the commercial break, and we'll get to know uh, Kimberly a little bit more. But let's go ahead and uh, bring in uh, Jamie to the conversation. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Chris, thanks so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to it. Well, we've been looking forward to having you on as well. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what's important for us to know about you uh, and for our conversation today? Well, the, one of the big things I'm super passionate about is how can we actually have business leverage people's talents, right? You know, so much talent goes wasted and squandered, and how can we actually really capture that 
And one of the, uh, the expressions I sometimes share with people is that, have you ever noticed that if you want to grow your career, if you're working in a mid to large size organization, if you want to grow your career, often the best way to do that is actually leave the company that you're with. Right. And I think that's kind of shocking. Right. And kind right. of sad at the same time. Right. And so what we end up doing, what our passion is, is how do we actually, and when we work with organizations, how do we actually help people get really clear and excited about what's possible for them in the organizations where they are? So they stay longer and they have a much bigger impact at the same time. You know, one of the things that we love to talk about is is teams and people working in teams, but also this idea that teams should be self-forming. And, and I have found that when we allow teams to be self-forming, that we get people who volunteer for different types of projects and different types of teams, and maybe we would have normally thought them in that capacity. And I think that at some level protects us a little bit from what you're talking about, which is that idea of pigeonholing people and thinking, mm -hmm. well, we hired them for this thing, this is all they're going to do, and never think of them in other capacities, especially if they're not like your A++ player. Uh, and those people, yeah. it's really easy. We keep shoving them in different places, but you have some really great people uh, who maybe aren't you know, the number one employee, they're number two or number 10, which is still fantastic. And there are great ways, you know, if we think about it, to move them forward. So I really like what you're uh, sort of positioning here because it, it is a big, big concern for a lot of companies. They spend so much mm -hmm. money, right, on trying to find the great talent, and they may have it right there sitting yeah. five cubicles away from them, right? And to what you mentioned earlier a moment ago, like part of it, they may not be the best. You were talking about they may not be the best employee, but they may not be the loudest employee, Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I love what you were sharing. It's like not everyone's going to be out there, you know, up front and kind of banging their fist on the desk, so to speak. That's being a little bit dramatic. But like, you know, there are the quiet leaders as well, too, that can really step up and do things in very different ways that often aren't recognized and are available and can impact the organization. So I love what you said there. So uh, let, let's, you know, maybe kind of uh, talk about the elephant in the room here as we are talking live. Uh, every, most people are working from home right now. Most people are being impacted uh, around the COVID-19 pandemic uh, throughout the world. And we have you know, listeners from all around the world. And so this is certainly a global issue. What impact are you seeing uh, that COVID-19 is having on business and the workplace in particular right now? Well, I mean, there's uh, no surprise for lots of us, right? There's just such a, a tremendous amount of change that's going on. And it, part of the way I, I think about it is I think we're in the midst of, you know, perhaps emerging out of maybe not quite yet kind of an acute phase, right, where, you know, everything got, you know, turned upside down and I'm trying to find, you know, my Zoom button and how do I run this and I'm working from home and juggling kids at the same time. And there's this, there's this, all this sort of upheaval and of course that's assuming that the health stuff is kind of taken care of so you know my experience people are scared you know have been scared the whole safety health loved ones all that kind of stuff was there in the very very beginning and hopefully that's starting to stabilize but obviously isn't the same for all so there's that kind of acute phase that's going on and and then of course with virtual work is you know the big thing that's happening for all of us right so much innovation going on and how do we figure out how to keep the, the train moving and working in this virtual environment. So a couple of the initial things I'm seeing in this acute phase right now. Yeah, and uh, it was my organization has been 100% remote since 2009, so well over 11 yep. years here. My phone's been off the hook with people asking, what do I do? What should I think about? What do I tell my employees? 
Uh, and if there is a silver lining in all of this, uh, and I certainly would not have wished this <laughs> to get the result, mm -hmm. but the result might be that remote work is sort of people understand it now. They understand it a lot better. Maybe they'll use it more because I feel like there was such a, we don't know how to do it or we have this sort of old school command and control type of a leadership style. Yeah. Uh, we didn't understand the tools. So people just weren't willing to allow more remote work. And we have found remote work to be so much better than, than traditional. I mean, obviously, if you're making wine, you got to be in a vineyard. If you're making an airplane or a car, you got to be in the factory. But for the rest of us, we can be working from home. Uh, are you sort of seeing uh, businesses and, 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 and employees accept it already, or is it too early to tell on your end? Oh, I think there's a tremendous amount of, I think it depends on the organization. You talk to some organizations and they have, you know, Organizations like yours and mine, we've been virtual for, you know, whatever, 10 plus years or whatever it happens to be. And where are they at in that sort of technology adoption curve? So those organizations that have been mobile enabled for a long time, it's, you know, much less of an issue. But those that aren't or haven't been quite there 100 percent, then they're rapidly accelerating to it. And I think that for me, the kind of the toothpaste is out of the tube in this context, right? Like, we're not, it's, we're not going back. <laughs> you know, people are starting to see that, gosh, you know what, I can, I don't actually have to do the darn commute, right? Or, gosh, maybe right. the video conferencing thing, this is actually really working with my teams, and gosh, this is really cool, or they're using Miro for, you know, you know brainstorming stuff or all these other kind of tools, and I, I don't think we're going to go back, and that the difference in rate in which people are adopting, it varies by organization, but one thing's for sure, it's never going to be the same. And I think that's a really cool thing in lots of different ways from a, a workplace standpoint. Yeah, and, and I think there's got to be those people that uh, went home and realized this was great, leaders that went home and realized that they could get so much more done and their people more effective. But there may also be an entire group of people that went I went home and my kids and my spouse and maybe my in-laws or my grandkids yeah. were there too. And it was, it was chaotic and I couldn't get anything done because yeah. this is an unusual situation because everyone, ha everyone had to go home, which, which is different than when I have my employees work from home. They're generally during their work hours, you know, in peace and quiet. Uh, and they're not having to homeschool their kids at the same time. And, and so there is sort of this chaos and, and uncertainty, I guess. And, what impact do you think that, that that's having on employees right now? Well, the uncertainty, the uncertainty part of it, is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of things going on, right, with the uncertainty piece, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it is how do I figure out how to use Zoom or whether it is manage the kids or what's the future of my role, right? So I kind of think of it in my world right now, the sort of two big buckets is kind of the board and the buried right? There's the people that have, you know, that are a little bit on the sidelines or maybe they're not essential or whatever it happens to be. And they're kind of, they've had to be part in one, in one state. And obviously they don't want to be there. And there's sort of, you know, this uncertainty around that, you know, what's happening with my role moving forward. And then there's the buried, you know, who are trying to, you know, juggle the kids and figure it all out and, you know, do all the stuff with the teams and pieces. And part of it is, is that my experience has been like just more stress in dealing with the unknown. Right. So for all of us, you know, you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, sort of all your listeners, right? There's this mode of we're just trying to figure it out right now and safety and security and job stability. And, you know, we're going to be moving up that, you know, fairly quickly. I'm hoping once we get past this kind of acute phase of things, 
Um, and I think part of it is how do we manage and deal a little bit with that uncertainty um, so that people can kind of get through it a little bit quicker and a little bit more easily. You know, we were uh, t- trying to get all the information together for our employees, for what our plan was and what we, what we saw. And there's all these uh, stimulus packages that have been passed here in the States and, you know, it, it, it trying to figure that out. And, and so on Friday, I was telling my executive team, I really want to get this figured out. I really want the message to be right. And over the weekend, I realized, boy, that was stupid. And on Monday, we had a meeting first thing. And I just got everyone together to say, here's what I know. And I don't have all the answers yet. I don't have all the information, but here's what I know so far, because I sort of reminded myself that everyone is in a state of fear right now. They don't know uh, what's going to happen to them, to their jobs. And so you're right with that. Using Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? We have this one of the basic things that they're going to need is is money, uh, is a job to be able to ensure they have a place to live and food to eat and that their families can be safe. And so if they're worrying about that, they can't think about anything else, at least not for any extended period of time. If their brains are totally worried about, am I going to be in trouble here? So, you know, that's that that, that really really impacts employees, and, and I guess it sort of pushes them. We have, I guess as leaders, we need to really be thinking about that and sort of addressing those needs, right? Mm, totally. You know, one of the things that you know in the career work we do in organizations, you know. So we end up working with people leaders and how do we help them get clear on their careers, but then also then coach their employees around their careers. And one of the, the things that we deal with right off the bat is something we call career stallers, which is really the resistance, right, to actually doing something about the type of work that I'm doing. Because most of us, you know, it's like we tend to be want to be safe, <laughs> you know, have everything be stable, all that kind of good stuff. And one of the career stallers is what we call divine clarity. And so you can imagine buying clarity. So in the space of like shifting my work or doing something different, what ultimately we secretly all want, we won't tell anyone this, but like what we secretly want is we want a beam of light to come down from above and we want angels to sing, right? Say, this is the direction you shall go. This will be all right. If you took this action, it would all be fine, right? We want to have this clarity about what will happen if we move forward. And because oftentimes we don't have that clarity or we're not sure, we often end up just keeping our heads down and kind of doing what we're doing as opposed to really growing or dealing with the situation moving forward. So it's, there's a whole, there's an, we've actually taken upon ourselves to unpack that divine clarity scholar and there's a bunch of pieces we have inside of that. But until we actually deal with and get past that, lack of certainty and we're gonna like we're, we're gonna be stuck or we're certainly gonna be not as engaged as we might be in moving forward so what do we need to do to help our people deal with the unknowns and and to you know i guess get them some clarity or some help in in you know what they're facing right now as it relates to their work great question so part of it is is the first thing first thing you want to do is what we call embracing your inner freak out right so so part of it is, is right, is that, oh my gosh, what's going to happen, right? What is it that's, what, what's happening? And obviously this varies tremendously depending on what is you're dealing with and any kind of uncertainty, whether it's COVID or otherwise, but there's this natural reaction of kind of freaking out a little bit, whether it's externally or just in your mind, you kind of have that, oh gosh, like what's gonna happen? And oftentimes we end up pretending that's not happening. 
right? We cover it up and we put on like our good tie and our, you know, our nice smile and we pretend that that's not actually happening. And then we start taking actions, pretending everything is all glorious and all certain, which kudos to you, Chris, like going back to your team, you know, on that Monday going, gosh, you know what, this is actually what, you know, people might really be wanting or needing, right? It's like just awesome to take off and share like what's really happening. And mm-hmm. so when we embrace that first piece, we've got to first get clear with ourselves. It's okay to be uncertain and a little bit scared or a little bit worried because if we're not going to do that first, then everything else is all on top of kind of icing on top of a mud pie, if you will. So that's kind of the first step. Do you want me to jump into the next one or do you want to? Yeah, quick yeah, yeah, yeah go that? ahead. So the first one is to embrace your inner freak out, right? So <laughs> let that happen. Give yourself permission, right? And the second one is around sort of connecting with reality, right? So we have that emotional response that's there for us or keeps coming up for us. The next one is around connecting with reality. So, you know, what are the facts? What's really happening? What's really happening? We start differentiating between what is it that's actually going on and what is it I'm concerned about? So there's, a, there's oftentimes a big difference is that, you know, we go into a fight or flight response, the amygdala gets hijacked, we get scared, we start making up all these pieces. So starting to distinguish our story, our interpretation of this situation, and getting connected with the reality of it, that often is a grounding point uh, and gives us, you know, sets us up for the next stage around really choosing. So that's kind of the second component of it. Any thoughts or comments about that, Chris, from your experience? Yeah, you know, I, I guess you know, it kind of goes back to what we were saying before, that I, I, I always worry that leaders are trying to get everything too perfect. They're trying to get it. They don't want to look bad. They don't want to look wrong. They don't want to look, you you know, they want to have all the answers or whatever. And so I'm always a big proponent of being transparent. And, and if that means I got to show up and say, I don't have any answers today, (laughs) but here's what I, here's what I know. Here's the three things I've learned today. And I want to share them with you because you might have an answer or you might have an insight, but it's so easy when, you know, the the crap hit the fan here with COVID in a way that we've never experienced before. This is not war. This is not, uh, you know, the stock market crash because of, you know, the credit because of mortgages. This is not, you know, any sort of other thing I think any of us have ever dealt with in our lives. It's a totally new challenge and totally new system. And so it's really easy to jump back and be like, I'm going to hold everything tight. I'm going to try to get everything perfect. I'm going to try, you know, yeah. and I don't want anybody else to have their inner freak out. I'm I'm going to try to protect them. And it, 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 it's the wrong way to go. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, I think instead have to try, have to kind of, I always love this, this, ter- this term of like leaning into something. Well, mm. it does suck. This is going to be terrible. And let's lean into it. Let's figure out how we're going to fix it, how we're going to deal with it, how we're going to let's talk about it. Let's get it out there. Uh, and let's just kind of sit in, in the uncomfortableness and figure out what we're going to do. And that, 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 that's sort of what comes to mind for me. Yeah, it's brilliant, right? And that's part of the freakout piece as well. Like when I'm freaking out, the, the, <laughs> I say that in the gentlest of terms, right? The internal freakout that we have, you know, one of the, the later steps in this is, is, is don't go it alone, right? Going and starting having conversations with folks. And this is where whether, you know, part of what I'm sharing right now, this is in the context of COVID, right, this time right now, but it's true at any time, right? You know, should I take this new job or should I get married or, you know, like all of these questions that show up with things, right? 
And so, like, so once we kind of connect with reality, like we've embraced kind of concerned or whatever it is, we're transparent about it. The, the third part of it is around just untethering from your expectations, right? So we all have these expectations that are there for ourselves around, you know, what is it, you know, the way things are supposed to go, my plans for this year, my income for this year, whatever it might have been. And there's things that we can control and things that we can't control. And part of it is to start saying that, gosh, you know what? Um, as soon as we end up becoming tethered to our expectations, we can only be upset, right? If we're just attached to the way things were supposed to go and that's the place we're staying in, there's no place to be but be upset and disempowered. So part of it is now yeah. going, okay, well, what, what can I control? What can't I control? So we, none of us, to your point, can't control COVID and all this stuff that's happened. So given that, right, starting to ask myself, the question I like to ask here, you know, given this thing, so much of stuff we can't control right now, you know, what is this situation really asking of me, right? What is this situation really asking of me? If I were to call upon my leadership, my wiser self in this situation, what would it be asking of me? And that tends to return us to, well, what is it I can do? As opposed to being in that victim space we can all get into, is, gosh, I wish if only I could have, this wouldn't have happened uh, kind of space. So key points is untethering from those expectations that we've got. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that gets into so many different types of uh, ways that we think, uh, whether it's a fixed mm -hmm. mindset or a growth mindset, like the work by Carol Dweck, or you know, there's some yeah. other uh, things out there. But I guess sort of, I, I've seen a lot of people arguing on social, I mean, people always argue on social media, but there's a little bit <laughs> very specific things right now about our government and, and what's going on. And, and, and my mindset was, I, I just, it doesn't matter to me right now. I mean, I can exercise mm -hmm. that, that vote later on when election comes around. But right now, who is in power right now is who's in power. And they're going to do what they're going to do. And I, as the business owner and the leader and the father and all the roles I play in my life, have to just try to adjust and figure out what's best with whatever they're going to do. Uh, arguing about it and complaining about it right now, this at this acute level of, of uh, you know, sort of disruption, it is pointless. All I can do is adapt the best I can with what's happening, and I, I, mm -hmm. I that's a lesson I hope that people can hear, because you can sit and complain and be upset uh, about uh, any of the, yeah. any part of this right now, and and it, it it's really not helpful. I mean, you're right. You sit and you're freak out. I was in my I was in my pajamas drinking a bottle of wine every night eating total crap for 10 days before I said okay that's enough is enough and I'm yeah. going to you know get back to exercise get back to eating right and I'm going to be focused for my team once I was mm -hmm. done it freaking out but you you, you yep. can only do what you can do right Yep That's really good and the other thing as well too like part of it is then shifting from like you know, we have that first state of freaking out in pajamas with bottles of wine or whatever. I can totally relate to that, Chris. Yeah. Uh, right? And then getting connected to reality. And then it's like, okay, then starting to look at what can I control? And then part of it next, and this is where it starts getting really interesting because so far it's been kind of in my world, right? And then what we want to do then is really start connecting with the people around, you know, in, in our programs, we call this your inner circle. Right. So, like, don't go it alone. The last thing you want to do is shut the door and, you know, just sort of be, be with yourself. It's nothing but dangerous for all of us when we're in a time of change or uncertainty. And start thinking about strategically who are those people that make a difference with you. 
And mm-hmm. uh, we call them the five C's of people that are in your inner circle. And so you start thinking about people that, people that care, right? People that care about you, people that are capable in some way, like have some capability that you don't have or you want to have, people that will challenge you, right? You don't want to have just all of your people going, yeah, you're awesome, you're going to be great. Like, that's nice and encouraging, but you need more than that, right? You need more than that. So people that can also challenge you, people that can coach you, right? Kick in the butt, ask great questions. And then finally, people that can connect you, right? People that can also connect you to other people, other opportunities, other ways of thinking, other resources. And when we start thinking about that way, now all of a sudden things get very interesting. And this is one of the the philosophies we have because we do work in organizations, right? And so we want people connecting to the wisdom of the hive, right? None of us is as smart as all of us. So who can we now start thinking about, right, to start connecting with and getting support from and also supporting, both as a people leader of others, but also looking for support for myself. Well, really, that is really so key, right? I mean, getting getting that support from the group is so key. Getting that support from key people, right, that you can really identify in your life as being the, the those right people for you in that moment is, is super, super important. Uh, unfortunately, Jamie, we are out of time. I got to get to my second guest. I want to yeah. make sure I ask you our most important question, which is how can people get a hold of you or find out more uh, if they're interested in, in, in the work that you're doing? Yeah, for sure. Um, you can go to AvenueCareers.com is where we are. You can find us on LinkedIn as well, too, under Avenue Careers uh, on LinkedIn, or my name, Jamie Broughton, B-R-O-U-G-H-T-O-N on LinkedIn as well, too, are the best places to catch us. Well, we have so much more to talk about. We'd love to have you come back to the show uh, and pick up the conversation uh, down the road. Amazing. That'd be my pleasure, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Thanks, Jamie, uh, for being such a great guest today. We're going to take a quick commercial break and bring in my second guest, Kimberly Lane. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to Town Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, Jamie Broughton, you can listen to his interview on the podcast anytime on iTunes here in a couple weeks once we release that. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me there. Uh, we always are on Twitter. We're always releasing uh, new shows and content there constantly. And love to have you check out TalentTalkRadio.com. There you can subscribe and get more information, find all the past shows. And uh, I guess we'll go ahead and get to our next guest, which is uh, Kimberly Lane, principal of the Kimberly Connection Company. Uh, as a reminder, we are live tweeting this at PeopleG2. Find that or find that hashtag TalentTalk. So, Kimberly, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Chris. Excited to be here. 
why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, who you work for, and what's important for us to know uh, for our conversation today. Great. I am a professional speaker. I'm an author. I just released Connections Change Everything this past February, now available on Amazon. I am a consultant and a coach, and I work with leaders in companies that really want to start creating a thriving culture for the employees and then build more connection uh, through their leadership and their conversations. So really passionate in trying to make the work experience more of a community place as opposed to just a, a place you show up. I would hope that's what we're all trying to do, um, but I know that's challenging for a lot of companies and challenging for a lot of leaders to get it done right. So why did you decide, let's maybe talk about uh, the book, why did you decide to write Connections Change Everything? Well, um, Chris, it started um, really obviously before COVID-19 here, and it was really, I was, I don't know if many people recall, it was about a year ago when we had such a, uh, for California, a kind of depressing winter, a lot of gray days, et cetera. And I think it was the first day in March that it was actually sunny. And I remember pumping gas at the, the shell station and looking around that everybody was on their phone as opposed to really enjoying the moment of the, of the day with the bright sun coming down and just finally a break in, in the, the gloom, right? And that piece that people weren't being present in the moment and, and really grasping the joy of that moment, in addition to just seeing a lot of us, and we're having to do that obviously now with COVID-19, and it's a blessing having this great digital technology, but sometimes we're choosing a digital interaction over really a true human connection. So based on those components and then my experience and being uh, with leaders that were not motivating or encouraging and really bringing the best out of me and wanting to change that pattern, I wrote the book. And, and so maybe we can kind of talk about the leaders here. Uh, you talked about being connected, having those more connected conversations. Uh, and how would you maybe kind of explain uh, what connected leadership is to someone who doesn't know? Great question, Chris. Um, so I think, you know, years ago, a, a leader was typically somebody who kind of told you what to do, you have this report due, you've got your sales pipeline to report on, or I remember my weekly sales calls would be, okay, what's in your pipeline, Kimberly? What are you gonna sell this week? What? Do you, how many meetings did you have? It was just a very tactical, objective performance. And business has to be that way in order to be profitable, right? We need metrics. But imagine if those conversations also would have been, what are your challenges this week? How can I help you? Is there a presentation that I can help you build together and maybe I join you on that sales call. I'm not saying every leader is not doing this, but I've seen gaps in some of my past experiences. And if we can get more leaders having more of an emotional connection where their their employees are not just output machines, but they're really human beings. And when you're creating more of a connection with that human being, they're going to actually have more output and that's more productive for your bottom line. You know, I guess, why is this, why should someone think about this being important for them? You know, I guess if they're a leader, if they're an employee, at the very kind of base level of it, why is this important that they think about really putting this into their lives and and, into everything they're doing at work? Um, Great question again. Um, I guess, you know, just the bottom line is uh, a couple reasons. I've got a higher purpose there, and plus I always got the, I obviously have the leadership and the profitability for a company. So from a company's perspective, just throwing out a statistic here, 57% of the time today, a 
individual will easily go to another like company for a like position with like benefit. Like benefit. 57% of your employees can just literally leave because they found a like job, right? But it's the leadership or it's the community that makes the difference in retaining that top talent. And I think today is there's a plethora of talent out there um, and really good talent, or uh, excuse me, not so much a plethora of good talent. And so, you know, they're having the choice of where, where they want to go and having an environment where employees feel like they can grow. They feel like they have a leader who wants to try to understand them as far as what motivates them. Um, even some aspects of challenges they may be having in their personal life. So it's creating an environment where employees can truly excel. That's from the business perspective. And those employees, excuse me, those companies that allow for that thriving culture that have that extra step of building a connection between the leader and his team, they're going to have 2.5 to 3 times in revenue than those companies that don't. But on a bigger mission for me, um, you know, we've got the isolation epidemic out there, right? So, and then COVID-19 isn't really helping with that, with us being six feet apart and quarantine. But, you know, it's, it's a real risk in the United States and all over the world. 47% of us feel like we're disconnected. We don't, we're isolated. We're not having a really stronger purpose. And so my thought was, if we can get more leaders practicing connected leadership, we can help individuals, employees feel more valued, more appreciated, you know, connected with a sense of community that can help also the isolation epidemic because a leader is the one that really determines on a daily basis whether that employee is happy or not, whether they're going to stay or they go. So that leadership relationship is so vital and whether that employee is going to be happy, right, or vote that that leader is a great leader. So. It's, it's, a, it's a business productivity, it's a business impact on the bottom line, but it's also an impact to the well-being of our generations to follow from an isolation perspective, you know, from a well-being, kind of taking one step forward, uh, farther, um, not feeling connected is just as much an indication of your life expectancy as heart disease or diabetes or obesity. So it's, it's a risk factor. And I just feel like leaders have the ability to really make a great impact and, and to attack or not attack, but um, engage employees, a lot of people and making a difference, not only for their company, but, you know, for the overall good. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I guess we're really putting uh, leadership, uh, whether it's uh, how you define traditional leadership or it's con- the connected leadership that you're talking about, we're really putting this under a uh, great deal of strain, a great deal of of, of light, uh, you know, with everything going on with COVID-19. So how do you think this really translates into that? How, how do we take leadership in, in any in any sort of, I guess, uh, categorization and determine whether or not we are doing what we can, what we're doing that's right, or what we're being effective uh, during this unprecedented time that we're going through? Yeah. So, you know, you know, kind of going back to what is connected leadership, it's more instead of telling individuals what to do, it's more about collaboration, it's more about mentoring, it's more about using more coaching techniques, you know, versus just dictating uh, a result or, or something to be done. So in today's environment now, it's really also facing the reality of the situation, and it's not business as usual right now. It's, you know, we don't know where there's a lot of uncertainty, which means a lot of anxiety. So as a leader, if you're, you know, you should be hopefully reaching out individually at least once a week with, you know, if possible, each member of your team and having a one-on-one 
and truly authentically asking how they're doing with the new adjustment from work from home. How are they managing the distractions? You know, what other issues are going on? Because if you don't address those issues first, they're not able to focus. And so, um, and that obviously decreases productivity. So it's being authentic and accepting the elephant in the room and dealing with the elephant in the room. I mean, even I, I'm a firm believer of humor is a great thing. So, so for instance, in team meetings, you know, during this COVID-19 crisis, can we come up with a, a fun name, you know, the TP team or whatever it is to create some kind of community. So, you know, add a little levity of humor when we all come up, come together weekly on our team meeting, have everybody decide what the agenda is collaboratively and then assign roles. And so maybe one week, you know, James is the joke teller, maybe the, uh, and then Sally might be the industry expert today on what's going on in the industry or someone's on the, what's going on in the world news that affects our business or how are our customers doing. So it's really pulling in the team, collaborating and really ha- allowing for a space for them to emotionally share what's going on. And once they feel safe doing that, they want to contribute and be more creative and work harder and um, be more productive. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and I think that's super important right now as we kind of go through this. And, uh, you know, sometimes for some people we need to uh, step up. Sometimes we need to step aside and let somebody else, uh, you know, do what they're really great at, which is sort of what you were mentioning, or how do we sort of allow people to, to be themselves and to be to do the things they're strongest at, um, and especially to recognize if this is not something that we are particularly talented in, to really this is the best time to let other other people who are uniquely talented at those things to, to really take them on, to spearhead them, and to so we can get our best results and that we're not, you know, adding to that frustration of trying to do things that maybe we don't know how to do. Uh, yeah, kind of on that point too, Chris, is I think it's important to be vulnerable as a leader. I'm not a high techie person. So, it, you know, maybe I delegate somebody on my team to kind of set up all the Zoom meetings and manage the Zoom meetings and manage the chats and, you know, whatever it is or um, upload the video. So it just, you know, understanding that as leaders doesn't mean we have to be perfect at everything. And right now we have our own stress levels too. So it's, it's, it's allowing yourself to also show to your team you're just as human as they are, and then delegate appropriately so everyone feels like a part. And, and there's a sense of community now, and people want to help, and people want to be a part of something that's good, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, even in the worst of times, we want to be doing our best work and, and being able to achieve something or figure something out to make a difference. You know, you mentioned in your book that there's this connection that's, you know, sort of a a uh, solution for, for ad, uh, addiction. Can you explain that? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it necessarily applies for the work environment, but I think it, it's a great, so it's a connection, I believe, is a, even for right now, connection right now is the antidote to the anxiety we're feeling, right? So by establishing some kind of community with your team at work and creating some structure, that helps reduce some of the anxiety and that's all about relatedness, right? So from an addiction perspective, I talk about in my book, I think it's the third chapter about, was an article written in Psychology Today, where if you look at individuals that through some trauma growing up or uh, parents that might've been absent or an abusive parent or whatever, where they really didn't feel and learn good methods of communication and feeling a part of something and connected, as a result of that, they felt they couldn't relate to others. They then chose something. They chose alcohol. They chose heroin. They chose cocaine. They chose 
whatever it is, right? And they're finding that connection is really the substitute for that addiction. And when you find people coming together and learning that they can relate to others and communicate, be safe and be vulnerable, it actually takes that temptation away. So the point being is it's not the drug initially that keeps them coming back or even even pulls them into the addiction. It's the fact that they don't feel connected to anybody else or they feel isolated and broken off. They choose the addiction to cover up the pain. And then it's obviously then they truly do get addicted to the heroin or the cocaine or whatever it is, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, so that sort of lack of social connection early on. And, of course, you know, like... Uh, you can go find, and you can find that social connection uh, through, you know, going to bars or going doing these things where there's maybe sort of, in the initial part, maybe uh, filling a need, and then it becomes an addiction. It becomes something that's more problematic down the road. So it certainly makes sense uh, quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So how do I guess that you know we've sort of gone the the, the gamut here uh, of different things. You know, I guess maybe right now inside of COVID-19 or maybe it's just inside of any sort of issue, any sort of uh, acute uh, action or acute, you know, topic that's happening inside of a business where leaders really have to show their best and to and to be their best for their people. I guess you're you're going to, you know, sort of suggest the connected leadership version of this, which which makes a lot of sense. So how do people practice that uh right now what's what's uh, you have you know, a couple of things that they could very simply do yeah, right now to take, uh, yeah some key takeaways so i think yeah. you know i kind of mentioned earlier so as a leader i think you have to one take care of yourself too you can't you can't kind of you know and i the poor healthcare workers out there my heart goes out to them because they are they are burning at both ends right but as a leader you also have to mentally, physically, and mostly take care of yourself. You also have to maintain your connections within your family, with friends as much as possible for your moments as well, so that when you are in front of your team, you can be that support person, right? And it's also being vulnerable when you had a difficult day for someone got sick or you're challenged with the technology or kids home or, you know, whatever. So because then that only makes you more related as a leader. So that, that transparency and that vulnerability is important, I think. Two, you have to really be conscious about your choices in communication. So if possible, instead of emailing somebody or texting somebody, pick up the phone and call them so they can have an emotional connection. Because when we're using digital technology from a, from a texting or an email, it's a very um, objective interaction. But when you pick up the phone, and I'm even going to beg to say now, it's since we can't do it in person, but if you can have a Zoom meeting, that's why Zoom meetings are so possible because you're actually having more of an emotional connection. So that will help with this during this, you know, distancing and social isolation. So that would be um, the other point to that too. Um, and then three, have difficult conversations. We're going to be on top of each other, not only at home, but then also at work and struggle with some of the, the issues at hand. And so really ask, try to get down to the heart of the matter, but what's really going on? What are they really struggling with? What are you really struggling with too? And have a little grace and patience in that. So, uh, you know, those are probably my, my three, top, three top items I would um, stress. I think that weekly communication with each one of your employees, one-on-one -on -one conversation where you're really asking how they're doing, um, giving them an opportunity to collaboratively set the agenda, give some acknowledgement of what they're doing right. We all love praise, right? We all, we all want to win something. You know, there's great feeling and um, happiness when 
somebody applauds us for what we're doing right, and that helps to reduce anxiety as well for both parties. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we talked a lot about your book, but one of the things we love to talk about here is what what, what are people reading right now? Uh, is there a book that you're reading these days that you might share with us? Um, one book, uh, because I'm a professional speaker, I'm reading Judy Car- Carter's book. She's actually a, used to be a stand-up comedian, but now she does a lot of speaking, and she talks about the message of you and how we can all take our personal struggles, whether it's work or personal, and put it into a message that resonates with others. So I'm working on, um, you know, building my second level of speeches during this break we have here with some extra time. I'm also reading Expert Secrets, which is really about how to brand your business and um, with a unique message too, kind of similar on uh, trying to create a new, uh, a very specific branding message. So both are great, great books I suggest. Fantastic. Sounds like a great one that people might want to check out. How can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about you, your book, your speaking, everything that you're doing? Yeah, um, right now I'm really open um, offering uh, complimentary and even discounted rates for just helping leaders through this time and learning what to do or with their own anxiety or how to really what they should be doing on a weekly basis with their teams and employees to stay connected. So um, please reach out at KCC, that's the Kimberly Connection Company, so KCC at Kimberly-Lane, dot com. So that's KCC at Kimberly-Lane.com. Or just go to my website and hit contact. Um, that's uh, I'm at the Kimberly Connection Company. Thanks. Well, fantastic. Really Thank you so today. much, yeah, Kimberly, for being on the show today and sharing so much uh, important information around uh, being a connected leader. Uh, I hope people will go and uh, check you out, check your book out. And uh, we'd love to have you come back at some point and give us an update on everything you're doing. Wonderful, Chris. I would love to do that again. Thanks again for the opportunity. Um, stay safe, stay sane, and stay six feet apart, huh? So thanks again, yeah. Chris. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Look forward to uh, coming back uh, shortly. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 